pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Round six is approaching, so we'll analyze the upcoming fixtures, as well as discussing our favorite off-field stories, the best comebacks in the NRL era, and why the handling of John Morris stinks. I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. Let's get into it. Kieran... How's your week been? It's uh, we're coming right to the end of the Brisbane uh, mask wearing requirements as of six a.m. tomorrow. We're recording uh, on Wednesday evening as we speak. Um, must be nice to be rid of the masks. Uh, it is, but I still have to wear my mask um, that says I'm happy to be a Cowboys fan at the moment. Although we did get a win on the weekend, um, no, I am a loyal fan, and I'm. Happy that we got the win, but it's also very nice that we get to take the masks off. Um, pretty much as of tonight, I'm not going to go out, so as of tomorrow, officially. Um, but yeah, the week's been good. Bit chilly in Brisbane tonight. Um, and keen. Yeah, it got it got down to a very very chilly 47 degrees Celsius. So uh, <laughs> not really. Um, my my, you, you talk about being a Cowboys having a Cowboys mask. My my mask is a, a Pulp Fiction mask where it's uh, Travolta and Samuel Jackson, sort of you know, with their suits on and pointing the gun, but on their faces they have a, a blue mask. Um, so wow. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and you would have just heard the voice of Miles Stepman, who was away <laughs> last week. Uh, welcome back, Miles. Thanks for having me back, guys. I was um, <laughs> I was entirely expected to be booted from the chat, and you guys just continue your own Cowboys podcast. But um, no, just to, to pick up the the topic of the the weather. No, sorry, the climate. I should say um, we, we we had single digits here in Sydney this morning, so oh. it's uh, significantly uh, significantly colder than it was last month. I don't know if we've had single digits in Brisbane since 192. So that's um, <laughs> that is that is something. Uh, Miles, even though you weren't on the podcast, we did manage to get your tips and bold prediction. Uh, you got five from eight last week. There's a couple of little upsets in there. And your bold prediction, the boldest we've ever encountered, to be honest, Miles, uh, was that on the week that the 18th player is introduced to the competition, no player will fail a HIA on the weekend. Optimistic thinking, I think, Miles. Yeah, unfortunately. And I must say, when I was... Uh, I didn't actually get to watch a, a heap of footy this weekend, but uh, I was at one game, at the, the Leichhardt Oval game, and uh, unfortunately witnessed with my own eyes uh, Joey Lelua being taken off for, for HIA. So I definitely failed that one. But it was a good thing to root for, I think. Yeah, I think... I, I like the optimism that was involved. Uh, we all had quite optimistic, bold predictions. Uh, mine was that Kyle Felt would score two tries. He, of course, scored zero, so that went really well for me. Uh, I should have gone with the other winger, Murray Talangi. Uh, I also got five from eight, and so did Mr. Gibson. Kieran, you got five from eight. Uh, your bold prediction was a bit more convoluted. Did you manage to get it over the line? <laughs> no, uh, DCE kicked a field goal in... I don't know how much time was left, maybe 30 seconds to win the game against the Warriors, and then I believe there was one other game that went really close to being won in the last five. Ah, oh, the Roosters, Sharks, and the Tigers, Cowboys, actually. Um, but yeah, no no cookie or whatever you want to call it for me. 
Yeah, you were hoping for two games to be decided in the last five minutes and you only got the one. So that makes you uh, probably the closest to being right, I suppose, out of, out of the three of us. So well done to you. Uh, better luck next time, gentlemen. Let's jump into the first half. What did we learn from round five? I'll start with you, Miles. What did you learn? Well, what I learned is, and you know, I'm probably stretching this one here because I sort of already knew it, but playing in the halves is, is really tough. Um, both Anthony Milford and, and Luke Brooks will have probably been buoyed by their, their Easter weekend performances, but they both uh, followed it up with a stinker last week, which has resulted in, uh, I believe, Milford being dropped and, and Brooks, uh, I'm sure many would have thought that he should have been dropped. So, look, sometimes it gets to a point where, where all that's left is a change of scenery, and I, I think both these players look destined for that uh, that change of scenery next year. It certainly appears that way. Kieran, what was the the lesson for you from round five? Um, mine was that my wooden spoon favourites, the Dragons, are, I think, both not getting the spoon and, and even maybe looking like a club on the up. Um, if they can double their win tally from now, which is four from five, I think they'll avoid the spoon. Um, I'm tipping them too. I'm a little war- wary of making this uh, prediction just because I recall the Cowboys going six from six in 2006, <laughs> I believe it was, um, for the first six games of the season, and then they ended up missing out on the finals. But I've seen enough from the Dragons to suggest that I, I, I don't think they'll get the spoon. I remember that that season quite well. I remember Matty Bowen chip kick uh, for a try against the Knights. Uh, but mm. yes, you're quite right. And in fact, Kieran, you and I learned the same thing. Um, I am willing to admit now that I was wrong, that the Dragons would be a bottom two team this year. They, I, I think it's almost impossible to see a team that could pass that really big test against the Eels uh, so convincingly. Uh, the way they're fighting for everything, particularly in the forwards, um, uh, I've got to admit, Miles, uh, like we all, we, all, we all thought that they'd be a bottom two team, but Miles was a bit more positive about the signing of Anthony Griffin than the rest of us were, and uh, it seems like he's doing a really good job. I'm not willing to say that they're a top eight team. I don't think they will be. Um, I do think they, they'll have... The, the next month is actually fairly gettable in terms of their draw, but after that, I do expect them to fall away a bit, but definitely not a bottom two team so happy to admit that i was wrong on that one uh and kieran great minds think alike let's <laughs> let's uh let's go to our wildcard award for this week mine is the bad omen award for bringing terrible luck to your boss and that goes to josh hannay who was assistant when paul green was asked <laughs> to become the interim coach of the cowboys in 2020 uh, told he was unwanted by the club uh, and moved to the Sharks only to watch John Morris get axed and become the interim coach for the remainder of 2021. It's going to be the first time in the history of the game that a guy's been interim coach at two different clubs in two consecutive years. Uh, so the uh, Bad Omen Award goes to Josh Hannay and keep an eye on him getting shafted when Craig Fitzgibbon comes <laughs> into the Sharks and the Manly Seagulls make an approach for Josh's services in 2022. Watch this space. Uh, Miles, what, what's the uh, wildcard award for, for this week for you? Well, uh, I'm sorry in advance, Cowboys fans. You, you, at least you got a big wing on the weekend because I'm, I'm going to take out your man here, Jason Tamalolo, with the can't have your cake and eat it too award. He, mm. Now, look, JT, as, as much as we all love him, he, he was a... He was a proud uh, New Zealander when the, the country picked him to play for them back in, uh, I think, 2014 or 2013 it was, uh, mm. happily switching over from, from Tonga for the, the much larger match payments and, of course, the, the glory associated with playing for the, the Kiwis. And then, however, once he, he'd signed that uh, 10-year contract with the Cowboys, which obviously offered him a, a decade's worth of financial security, 
uh, I noted that that pretty pretty quickly all changed. And he was once again a, a proud Tongan when the uh, the money wasn't perhaps the uh, the most important thing in his career anymore. And and now, uh, of course, after recently uh, getting a sniff of a potential state of origin berth with the rules eligibility change, he's supposedly also a proud Queenslander. And is keen to get in on the the glory and and perhaps the financial windfall associated with state of origin. So, um, fortunately, in my opinion, at least, Andrew Abdo shut the door on that one. So, sorry, Jason, you've you've had plenty of bites of the cherry, but uh, but not again this time, bud. Yeah, I think that's a a, a fair call, Miles. Do you think he'd even make the Queensland team, the reigning champions? <laughs> with, with ease, I would say. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm more than happy for Jason to make the switch from New Zealand to Tonga. I, I respect his uh, need to represent both parts of his heritage. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. But yes, I agree with you. I think playing for Queensland, a bridge too far, although he would strengthen our team significantly. I, I do agree with you there. Kieran, what's, the, uh, what's, your, what's your wildcard award this week? I feel a little bad about mine, but it's um, the Lay Down Sally Award, which goes to Jordan Rapana. Um, <laughs> Sally Robbins was an Australian rower who stopped mid-race to rest. And to be fair, rowing is an excru- excruciatingly painful sport. Mm. However, the only thing I can say which is to salvage Rapana's reputation is that despite the fact he was visibly gone, which could be seen on cameras numerous times as he was down on his haunches throughout the game, after seeing Kay's injury, he did still keep going. I thought it was a bad look, though, and he should definitely not have been that tired. And I honestly thought he was going to ha- to come off from exhaustion. Yeah, it's unsurprising that the Raiders have not gone with Jordan Rapana at fullback this week. They brought in Caleb Aikens, a former Panthers backup fullback, a hard worker. Uh, but more on him a little bit later on during the uh, coming analysis. Let's jump into some news. Uh, very first up, we've already discussed it a little bit uh, during my wildcard. The Sharks have officially made the call. They've, they've let John Morris go uh, immediately um, to make way for Craig Fitzgibbon, who has signed a three-year deal starting next year. The current uh, Roosters assistant coach uh, and also a former country New South Wales coach, of course, uh, to very limited success, if memory serves, against Brad Fittler's City team. Um, the question is, uh, are the Sharks making the right call? I'll start with you, Kieran. I don't know that you can say or how you can say that they are. I know uh, Craig Fitzgibbon has done his tutelage or his internship under Trent Robinson, but he's still unproven, so I don't know how say an unproven coach is the the right way to go um and i also don't know a single coach in the nrl obviously i don't know um what the coaches in the nrl what their contracts look like but i don't know one that would have a clause in the contract that says they must beat top eight sides to warrant getting to stay um he's made the he's made the finals for two years in a row so i I don't know why it matters um imagine I have, for instance, imagine the Sharks won the grand final under John Morris in 2016 when Gus claimed it was an easy year to win, and then the Sharks board agreed and sacked him. I think it's a, a ludicrous decision, and I can't understand it. Miles, uh, are you on board with Kieran there? Um, yeah, I, I am on board with Kieran, and I could uh, I could riff on this one for ages. Um, uh, I, I think it has been sort of played to death by now, and Look, I think it's never right to, to screw over a member of your team this badly. You know, the Sharks have, uh, I think they deserve every little bit of shame that they've, they're copying from the NRL community. Um, and look, coaches uh, have long memories too. So let's hope for the Sharks' sake this doesn't impact a, a future hire that they might want to make. Because um, 
Look, if I was a, a prospective coach, I'd I'd certainly uh, think twice about signing with this club now, based on on how they've treated um, their uh, one of their former coaches. I think you're both right. I I agree with you, Kieran. That you know, if they were making a move for Bennett or Bellamy or someone with a proven track record, heck, even Paul Green, a premiership winner, um, then that would make at least a bit more sense. You know, that's someone that has proven they've got premiership quality, um, and John Morris has not proven that at this stage. Um, but Craig Fitzgibbon's unproven. Um, whether or not it's the right call on those grounds, like who is the better coach. I don't know. Like Fitzgibbon may well be the better coach. That happens sometimes. But I agree with you, Miles. What, what I'm more concerned about is not whether Fitzgibbon or Morris is the better coach. I'm more concerned about the look that this is for the Sharks. It, um, I, I think John Morris comes out of this looking pretty good for future employment. Um, and I think the Sharks come out of it looking pretty unprofessional. I don't think it will derail their season this year uh, because there are a lot of off-contract of players of high repute guys like Sean Johnson Matt Moylan Josh Dugan uh, Fafita's still trying to break into that team Aaron Woods these these guys were all worth a lot of money and, and they'll be looking to impress their, their future coach so I, I don't expect that their performances will drop off a great deal um, but I just think it's, it's a bad look so I think all of us are in agreement that look I mean you know if you don't think Morris is the right guy then whatever but I think do it a bit more professionally. Um, have a conversation with the guy. Be more upfront. Tell him that he's in the running, but we're actually looking at another guy and we'll let you know and all that sort of stuff. It, it sounded like it was very underhanded to me, which is not a good look. Speaking of the Sharks, the next point that we have uh, is, is some rumors floating around about a couple of players that used to play in the NRL, a couple of rep players, Will Chambers and Gareth Widdop. Uh, there's some, as I said, rumors floating around. They might come back to the NRL um, and Will Chambers particularly has been linked with the Sharks. So the question that Kieran has put to us in the in the uh, run sheet is, is the Sharks a good landing spot for Chambers and Widdop? Or should they go elsewhere? Or are they past it and not welcome back in the NRL? I'll start with you there, Miles. Do you think there's a place for Chambers and Widdop? And is it the Sharks? Uh, no, I would say. Um, I, I think they're, they're, probably, they're, they're probably both not in the NRL for a reason. Um they're both the wrong side of thirty, and 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 even I think with the the dearth of halfbacks and, and and halves in the league right now, I, I don't think you'd any club would be uh, barking up the right tree with with Gareth Wood. Interesting, Kieran, uh, you put it on the run sheet for a reason. Do you think there's a place for them? Um, not no. I I, I was trying to make a case for Chambers, but. Um, just because the Sharks are kind of lacking specialist centres at the moment, but I, I would rather they uh, showed faith in their younger players, which is seemingly what they've been doing. Uh, Conan Tracy, Hiroti, um, Mulatalo, even when he came through, they've had quite a few youngsters come through in recent years. Uh, I think that they should just keep doing that. They seem to have a lot of talent. And then from all accounts with Widdop in England, his form has been very indifferent and he's obviously passed it. I think if you're looking to move on Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson, I don't see how it makes any sense to replace them with Gareth Widdop. I think, see, I, I fall on the other side. I, I think there is a place for them. I, I agree it's not at the Sharks. I, I think, you know, Duke and Ramian, the Sharks have a pretty good back line. So Chambers is, is not a good fit there. There's already a logjam of talent in the halves when Sean Johnson returns, so I think they're both not a good fit for the Sharks. 
I, I think Will Chambers to the Broncos makes some sense. Um, having a little bit of experience in that back line, they, they're struggling for an out-and-out center at the moment, naming guys like uh, Richard Kennar and, and Jesse Arthurs in recent times. I think Chambers is a step up from those guys. Um, and Widdop, like, I think there'd be a number of teams that are currently outside the top eight that could play with a decent halfback. Uh, Tigers could be chief amongst them. Um, especially with the experience that he brings. And you're right, he's uh, apparently has had some indifferent form and you, you're both right in saying they're a bit older now, but I don't know, like a little bit of experience could help some of those teams outside there. The, maybe in the bottom four or five, I, I think could be, a, could be a bit of a boon. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. It seems like Chambers is only a few days away from uh, making a decision about the Sharks. He's been waiting by the phone um, and... With John Morris there, they haven't been able to make that happen. But um, who knows, with Fitzgibbon starting next year, maybe that will start uh, a bit more of a process there. Let's go to the next news story. It's uh, it's about young players because uh, Mr. Peter Sterling, one of the great halfbacks, according to my father, mentioned on Triple M uh, that he thought that Nathan Cleary was one of the best young players at his age. Uh, that he's that he's ever seen, which is which is quite a big call uh, from Mr. Sterling. The question is, do you agree? And if you don't agree, who is the best young player? Miles, we've been a little bit critical of Mr. Cleary in the past on this podcast, um, not necessarily for his club form. He's got excellent club form, but going to that next level, uh, do you think he's the best young player you've ever seen? Uh, close to, but no for me. Uh, as we sort of, uh, I think, sort of agreed on actually off off mic. Uh, uh, Jonathan Thurston had by this point won a Dell M and and a set of Origin series, and, and Cleary has won one of those, but he's not won the other. Um, so look, uh, at this point for me, as close and as, as their careers are together, and, and perhaps that's a little bit scary. Um, I'm going to take uh, Thurston over over Cleary at this point. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know how JT has ended up, but he, you're right, did have a premiership and and an origin and a Dalian by this age. So it's pretty remarkable to think of, isn't it, Kieran? Uh, how lucky we were to have uh, Thurston at the Cowboys. Uh, very much so. I, I remember writing in our own chat as well that I I think I I may just love JT's wife more than JT himself for convincing <laughs> him to stay at the Cowboys because otherwise, I, yeah, we very well could not have our, our first premiership as a club. But I think the answer is undoubtedly JT, as I'm alluding to. Um, two of his four Deliams came by the age of, by the time he was 23, uh, which is the age Nathan Cleary is now. Um, I think you have to point, I, I, I do think that um, Cleary could overtake Thurston in the game by the end of his career, which is very scary to think, as Miles was saying. Uh, but he's kind of helped by the fact that the Panthers have a really freak side. If they can keep that together, who knows? He, he could have a better career than JT. But at, at this age, the answer is no. I'm concerned to hear that you don't rate uh, the Cowboys' backup halfback in 2015, Kyle Weybert, to be <laughs> capable of driving the Cowboys to a premiership. But... Um, <laughs> Look, like JT is a, a very good choice, and and Jesus, hard to argue with that. It's also hard to argue with Peter Sterling, obviously a, a great expert and pundit on the game. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go a different direction to to all of you guys, though. I'm going to throw Greg Inglis into the mix. Uh, it's a very different position, obviously being a halfback's much more dominant. It's much more obvious the influence that they have on a game. But I thought Inglis was immediately elite 
when he came into the game at 18, playing for the Storm. He evolved his playing style quickly, uh, dominated in the toughest arena, which was Origin. Uh, he was a premiership winner with a huge asterisk next to it. Uh, in 2007, at the age of 20, playing out of position as a 5'8", and winning the Clive Churchill medal. Uh, so, uh, look, I can't remember many better young players than Inglis. And one thing he has over Cleary is his demonstrated ability to rise to the biggest occasions as a young player, like the aforementioned Clive Churchill, uh, which even Thurston had to wait until his 30s to achieve. So I'll throw Greg Inglis into the mix, but I, I think uh, I think I otherwise would have agreed with Thurston, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of Cowboys, uh, the Tigers almost had a huge comeback victory against the Cowboys at Leichhardt on Sunday. Miles, that would have been quite something to have witnessed if they had pulled it off, but uh, it, they, they couldn't quite pull it off. So what is your favourite comeback game in NRL history? Uh, and I'm going to you know, extend it past... 1999, 1998, the uh, when the NRL started. Anytime you can uh, can point to a better comeback. So, Miles, what's your favourite comeback in the history of the game? Well, I, I, again, I'm I'm sorry to do this to you, Cowboys fans, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one that springs to mind for me is the. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember this or not. The the, the Rabbitohs Cowboys game. I, I think I it was in Townsville. Um, maybe about. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> Kieran's. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, bringing up some PTSD <laughs> here for Kieran, but um, maybe like 15 years ago now. I think um, the Bunnies mm-hmm. came back from probably similar margins of the Tigers, I'd say, and they ended up uh, winning uh, on a Chris Sando field goal from memory. Um, and uh, mm. I, I did go on and, and look the, the team sheets up on that one. And it uh, turns out not even the great Shane Tronk off the bench to uh, to pitch it was able to save the Cowboys on that day. So that was uh, the first one that's come <laughs> to mind for me. Um, another one being, um, I think maybe five or so years after that, the, the Sharks that beat the Roosters at, um, I think it's probably Sydney Football Stadium. They, were, they hadn't put, scored a, a point, I think, by like the, the 50th minute or something and they ended up beating the the, the roosters after being down um again probably a similar margin to the to the tigers the uh the the, the rabbitohs cowboys game that you mentioned i know exactly what went wrong i'm pretty sure the coach was neil henry and he put shane trunk on the bench that was that was that's <laughs> cool. that's, that's where they went wrong uh anything else would have been a, a sure victory for the cowboys uh from that position but you're right i do remember it and kieran it sounds like you remember it as well <laughs> what is your favorite comeback in nrl history i i was gonna be boring and go with the cowboys comeback but um i've got my favorite as the south sydney rabbitohs comeback against the roosters in round 19 of oh i wrote 2020 but it was 2012 i'm pretty sure um Earlier in the year, the Rabbitohs had victory stolen from them through two late tries in the last two minutes by the Roosters after leading 2012. Mm. And in the return, fixture saw the Rabbitohs down this time 22-12, only for the Bunnies to score twice in the last two minutes, including the winner straight off the kickoff, prompting Warren Smith to say, you can take me now, I have seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> Which would uh, later be a, a fairly successful podcast for the uh, for the Fox Network um, yeah I do remember that was it was it Adam Adam Reynolds that scored that very final try of like a, yes. a miscued pass uh, yeah yeah it like bounced around on the ground and he picked it up and I think they ran into the corner and oh it was just awesome to watch <laughs> yeah dived into the crowd didn't he 
Yeah, I, yeah, he, they all went nuts. <laughs> the whole team was like running, running towards that corner, and it was awesome scenes. Yeah, there are. There's two like catch cries uh, for Warren Smith. Oh, three really, I suppose. It's the uh, and he's got a room service bounce, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you can take me now. I have seen it all. And then, of course, whenever he bashes BJ Lelua in the media, um, <laughs> let's let's uh, look, Kieran. I will be boring. I'm going to go with the Cowboys one, but not the one that we've mentioned fairly recently, which was, of course, the big comeback in 2015 against the Eels. I've gone with one a bit further back. This is a very treasured childhood memory for me, uh, and I'll give you some context. I, uh, I Take us back to 1998. The Cowboys were easy beats since entering the competition in 1995. As a young fan, I was seven when they entered the comp. They were tough times. They, we went an entire season in 1995 with two wins. Uh... They started the 1998 season winning five of the first six rounds. So something felt a little bit different. But then, of course, came the inevitable five-game losing streak. So, you know, very Cowboys all of a sudden. They were back outside the top 10, as it were, in 1998 to make the finals. Top 10 out of 20-team comp. In round 12, we're up against the Panthers, who are flogging the Cowboys 26-0 at halftime at what was Panthers Stadium. I'm not exactly sure what... Cowboys coach Tim Sheens said at halftime, but new purchase Noah Nadruku came out and scored a second half hat trick with Andrew Dunaman scoring two. Ray Mercy, who was one of my favorite players at the time, scored one, and so did Mark Shipway to get the Cowboys to a 36 to 28 victory against all odds. The momentum generated from that remarkable victory was palpable, with the Cowboys going on to secure 16th place. <laughs> in a 20-team competition above 1990s heavyweights like the soon-to-be-defunct Gold Coast Chargers and Adelaide Rams, the soon-to-be-saved-by-a-merger Western Suburbs Magpies, and the soon-to-be-briefly-booted-from-the-competition South Sydney Rabbitohs. Those were the days. <laughs> but... Uh, that's enough reminiscing about Cowboys, guys. Let's have, have a short little break uh, for halftime. We're going to hear from my other podcast, which is Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. And then after the passing of Tommy Rodonicus, which I briefly mentioned in last week's podcast, we're going to discuss our favorite off-field story about an NRL player. Back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, and uh, in honour of one of the game's great characters, Tommy Rudonicus, the former Western Suburbs Magpies and Newtown Jets halfback who played... 
dozens of games for the New South Wales Blues and also for the Australian Kangaroos, uh, but had many, many, many more cigarettes than he did uh, tests every day. Uh, he passed away uh, after a long battle with cancer, and he was recognised as one of the game's great characters. We've decided to talk about our favourite off-field story. Miles, what's your favourite story? Do you have a, uh, an anecdote to share? I don't, I don't have a favourite off-field story, but I, I do have a, a few anecdotes to share more about um, uh, some of the, the, the funniest players off the field rather than a specific story. Uh, uh, from what I hear, Sean Johnson is quite a character and, and uh, in seeing uh, interviews with him, uh, that, that seems to confirm that. Uh, Cameron Munster also is very seems to be sort of a, a light-hearted uh, kind of guy, for, especially for his position as a half, which is you know of course such a serious business these days. It's it's nice to have someone so self-depreciating and um, and funny at his position. He I, I, I hear that he likes to um, to rip out a, a fat joke about himself every now and again. So yeah, <laughs> it's nice to have a, a guy of that sort of uh, uh, that sort of light and, and, and breeziness um, playing. Uh, and starring in the NRL, but I think um, one of the funniest players off the field, for, from my memory, is Ben Teo, who he, he has a hilarious social media. If you if you want to uh, scroll through it, um, uh, for, from memory, one of the um, one of my favourite posts from him was, um, uh, I guess it must have been uh, the, the year he was with the Rabbitohs and, and he won the premiership. Um, mm. He actually he took a photo of himself one night sleeping. Uh, <laughs> In, in his bed with the um, the the Proven Summons trophy and, and giving it a big cuddle, it's absolutely hilarious. I, I'm not doing any justice whatsoever, but you got to go and look it up. He, he he's a really funny dude, and yeah, I'd love to uh, sit down and have a few beers with him. Uh, he's currently playing for the Broncos, although he's just injured at the moment, so we won't be seeing uh, Ben Teo for a couple of months now. I think with an injury, unfortunately for him, but. Uh, as per your rec- recommendation, Miles, uh, I will check out his Instagram and I would recommend uh, checking out Toby Rudolph's while you're there. He uh, He's quite the colourful character, likes to take the piss a little bit, uh, pretending to be a model with uh, puffing his guts out and stuff like that. It's quite funny. Kieran, what's your uh, what's your favourite off-field story? Um, well, as I discussed uh, before we started, uh, I struggled a little one with this one. I have to give a shout out to Nathan Peets. Um, if you check out his Twitter account, he's quite funny, although you probably have to scroll for ages. Um, he has a, a good running, uh, I guess, battle it is um, with Darcy Lusick. But I went with a story that I heard about Tommy Rodonikis on Sunday um, on one game that he was coaching back in the 90s. He, he came to the sheds with a wooden spoon as the Tigers were getting smashed and in danger of winning the spoon. And he was so vocal and passionate in his uh, tirade to the Tigers player or the Magpies players back then um, at halftime that he smashed it on his head, which caused him to bleed. He then smeared the blood on his face and told the players he wanted to see them bleed as he was for the jersey. Uh, I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure John Scandala said they got smashed that game still, but um, it was a funny story nonetheless. <laughs> I've, I've got a couple of candidates, so I'll just run through a few. Uh one of my favourites that I was not involved in uh, was uh, when Robbie Kearns and another Blues player uh, hurt themselves on team bonding exercises during a, a Blues camp. Uh, Robbie Kearns falling 
off a horse when they went horse riding together and <laughs> broke his collarbone. That's a, that's a throwback from the 90s and also a throwback from the 90s. Um, a young Bo Nicholson uh, went to... Um, Long story short, my dad used to coach a guy named Brett Grogan who played for the Knights in the in the 1990s. He was a, a fairly decent outside back, scored a few tries, and, and he came to Brisbane to play against the South Queensland Crushers. So, uh, you know, he's invited us to the team hotel to, to come and meet some players and stuff, which was really cool. So, um, you know, I'm like seven or eight years old, and I'm walking around with my dad, and we're meeting players, and Brett's like knocking on the on the doors of different people. And then suddenly Paul, the chief Harrigan emerges in a towel, uh, from his hotel room, uh, just towering over us, huge man. And, uh, I had just recently finished watching like a bunch of like Jim Carrey movies. So I was a twerp and, uh, I pretended to faint uh, in this hallway. So like, He's being very, very kind and generous to my dad, giving us his time, and I'm just laying there still on the ground <laughs> like, like an idiot, um, wishing that I hadn't have done that now because uh, he seemed like a really nice guy, the chief, so uh, credit to him. But my my very favorite story uh, is a, quite a recent anecdote, actually, from last year, and it's a personal one. I, I work in disability support, as some of you may know. I actually work with um, Kieran's brother, Owen, who we regularly shout out here and shout out to him once again. Uh, but I formerly worked for an organization called Lutheran Services for about seven years. And during various co- uh, COVID restrictions last year, I started up a YouTube footy show called the Keystone Footy Show uh, with some of our participants at the center who love their footy. Um, we gained enough traction that we had like a PR team working for us to get a couple of ex-NRL players on board to be part of the show. Um, credit to Daniel Mortimer, uh, who put his hand up uh, but was unfortunately only available via Zoom, so we didn't go in that direction. Instead, we landed a former legend, Scott Prince. Uh, we met with him at the Broncos Leeds Club and spent about an hour with him. He was an absolute delight, and the three blokes I brought with me thought he was awesome, and they had a great day. So uh, check out the Keystone Footy Show on YouTube if you want a feel-good story uh, as they very colorfully interview Scott Prince. So that's my personal favorite. I'm sure you can understand my personal attachment to that story. Um, but the Paul Harrigan one might be a little bit funnier because I was just such a little dick. Like I was just like walking around with a little <laughs> Ace, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, just like just ridiculous stuff. Um, but <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, that's it for the halftime entertainment. Uh, let's have a quick little break and then we'll come back with the fixtures for round six. All right, we're into the second half. We are analysing the round six fixtures, uh, starting on this Thursday night at Suncorp Stadium, Fortress Suncorp, uh, which it certainly used to be called, but maybe not so much anymore, Miles, as the Broncos take on the seemingly unbeatable Penrith Panthers. Yeah, I'm going to make this one short and uh, tip the Panthers. (laughs) <laughs> I will also make this one short and I will also tip the Panthers. What say you, Kieran? I'll make it three, the Panthers. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to see the, the Broncos um, getting even close to that one, I suppose. But good luck to them. Let's move forward to Friday evening in Newcastle for the Knights up against the, uh, well, I suppose the very troubled Cronulla Sharks, judging by their off-field stuff. Kieran, can you talk us through that game? 
Um, yeah, so uh, the Knights are on a, a three-game losing skid, um, including a, a shellacking last week to the Titans or on the weekend. And two of those games um, were at home as well uh, that they didn't get up for. I think one was Junior's 300th game as well. So mm. um, they've kind of underperformed to start the season. I, I think that that will get see them buoyed for this one. And they also bring back Bradman Best, Kurt Mann, and Jacob Saifidi. Um, best return best's return sees Gehamet Shibasaki drop out of the side and then Connor Watson um, goes back to lock, which I think is a really good shift. I, I, I do really like Connor Watson, but I think he's better as a, a bit of a roamer around the field at that lock mm. um, spot. And then the, the Sharks, as we all know, they've they've had um, the news of John Morris uh, being let go or, or deciding to leave after the Craig Fitzgibbon news. Um, as you said, though, uh, you think that because of a lot of Sharks players being off contract, that, that won't derail their season. And I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of makes me think that this will be a little tighter than I had it, but I've got the Knights just edging it. Yeah, and for the, for the reason that you just mentioned, I think the Sharks will rally and get this one done. Um bit of an FU to the board if you will um, so I'm going to go for the Sharks again in a close one you make a compelling case for the Knights Miles where do you land look I, I don't feel good about this in any way shape or form but I'm thinking the Knights in this one yeah it is one of those ones isn't it where uh, damned if you do damned if you don't depending on which way you go but um, I, I'm hoping it'll be a close game certainly closer than the last one they played which was a 38-10 to 10 win to the Knights last year so I think it will be definitely closer than that uh, later that evening we've got the Storm versus the Roosters that's going to be played in Melbourne I believe yes at Amy Park um, the Storm potentially have Brinko Lee returning I've heard today after he successfully got through a reserve grade game last week which would spell trouble for either Remus Smith or George Jennings depending on which way Craig Bellamy wants to go there um, the Storm are looking really slick and really good on paper, uh, particularly with the inclusion of Harry Grant off the bench. The Roosters, however, have some significant injury concerns uh, with yet another hooker, Freddie Lussick, becoming injured, uh, which, of course, is uh, added to the fact that Sam Verrills is unavailable and jo- uh, Jake Friend has retired. Ben Marshke, who uh, filled in at hooker last week, um, beat the judiciary hearing that he has, so he'll be playing, and Adam Kieran has regained fitness and will be added to the bench as a rotation option. The way I see it, they were lucky to beat the Sharks, uh, and the Storm should have the class to put them away, I think, this week, uh, particularly with the difference of experience in the halves. So I'm going to go with the Storm. Kieran, uh, Storm versus Roosters, uh, what do you reckon? I I honestly think, I, I agree with you, I think the Storm will win, and I, I think they could run up a bit of a score here. Yeah, it was 24-6 to 6 last time they played uh, last year. Miles, do you think it'll be a close one or a, or a bit of a beat-up? Um, I, I don't really have a good read on this one. I, I am tipping the Storm just because I think they've got the strongest side in. But I, I don't know. I, I could see it being a close one, but I could also see it uh, being a, a blowout in, in Melbourne. Diplomacy plus with Miles. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move forward to Saturday afternoon, which we played from Mudgy, as it were. It's a Sea Eagles home game, though, from Glen Willow Oval in Mudgy. Uh, it's the Manly Sea Eagles against the Gold Coast Titans, please, Miles. Yeah, look, uh, uh, the Sea Eagles were better last week. Uh, uh, there's no denying that, but I, I think the Titans are really starting to look like they're evolving into the um, the week in week out campaigners that they promised to be pre-season so this should be one of those games especially away from from brookvale oval fortress brookvale if you can call it that anymore um 
uh, the Titans should knock this one over pretty pretty easily, I think. Yeah, I've, I've got a similar read on this one, Kieran. How about you? Yeah, I tipped Seagulls last week, but I'm going to have to go to the Titans this week and tip against them. I don't remember you tipping the Seagulls. Did you change that one pretty late or did yes. you that on the podcast? Yeah. You I changed girl. it five minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, does, like, do you have, like, some sort of weird kind of aura thing that only kicks in, like, on Friday or something? Or, like, what, what happens with you? It's like five minutes before uh, my waters or, or whatever it is, it just, just kicks in. and <laughs> I don't know. I, I always do it. I, about five minutes before, I'll, I'll go in and check to see what my tip was just to make sure I've got it right. And then more often than not, I end up changing it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that sounds very stressful. I pretty much just set and forget mine from Tuesday, and maybe that's why I'm coming last. I don't know. Maybe I need to drink more water. Um, <laughs> look, I'm sorry to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you to predict a Saturday game for me on a Wednesday, so please give it your best shot. Uh, it's from Stadium Australia in Sydney. It's the Rabbitohs and the Tigers. Um, so there's a, a big inclusion of Jake Simkin for the Tigers, who Miles has waxed lyrical about in the chat. I'm excited to see him play and see what he can do. Uh, Joseph Lelua is out with a HIA, but uh, all due respect to him, I'm not sure that's a, a bad thing. Um, although Kapoa comes in at centre for him. Um, I think Cody Walker coming back in, although he... No, Cody Walker comes back in um, mm. on Saturday for Benji Marshall to go back to the super sub role. I think that the Bunnies have shown that their class... Uh, I said this last week about the Eels, though, against the Dragons, and I got proven wrong there, but I do think the Rabbitohs will have too much class for the Tigers. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Miles, I'd suggest you do too. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the Rabbitohs pretty easily here. I'll tell you what, the Tigers wouldn't want to give away a 22-point lead at halftime to the Rabbitohs. Uh, that, that could get really ugly. Um, I'm, I'm going to do the next game, which is between the Raiders and the Eels. Uh, that's from GIO Stadium in Canberra. Look, both teams, let's be real, were pretty disappointing last week. Uh, the Raiders going down pretty comfortably to the Red Hot Panthers. Uh, the Eels going down comfortably to the... Uh, underrated dragons perhaps so it's difficult to get a read on this match for me Charles Nickel Klockstar uh, becoming injured is a big loss uh, as he is one of the more impressive defensive fullbacks in the comp uh, Caleb Aikens takes his place he's known for his good work ethic so we at least know he'll put in a big effort for the team um, <laughs> as opposed to lay down Sally as as, uh, as Kieran referred to him uh, the Eels will be without the suspended Dylan Brown at 5-8, which means that Will Smith will start in his place. And Ryan Madison has been named again uh, to return from concussion. Hopefully his concussion is all cleared this time because he will be a, a big in for them. Although Isaiah Papali has done a really good job in his absence. It's hard to predict this one. Uh, I don't really... The, the form guide's checkered for both teams. So I guess I would just go with the Raiders for their home ground advantage. What do you think, Kieran? Yeah, I've got the Raiders as well. And Miles? Yeah, I don't think the Eels are quite uh, at their point, or at that point in their their timeline where they can go into Canberra and, and get a win. So, uh, if they can, I'll be mightily impressed, and I'll, uh, I'll certainly see them rise in my expectations. But um, I'm I'm certainly tipping the Raiders here. Cool, cool. So uh, we've all gone the Raiders. We'll look forward to uh, Kieran changing his tip on Saturday. <laughs> 
at 7.30 or something. Uh, I'll let Miles, you know five minutes before. Yeah, please. Yeah, please keep us updated. <laughs> um, Miles, at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium in, in, uh, in southern Sydney is the Red Hot Dragons against the New Zealand Warriors. Yeah, look, the Warriors are already, unfortunately, dealing with uh, a bit of injury, which uh, has prevented them from attaining any sort of consistency that they'd like under their new head coach, while the the Dragons, as we've sort of mentioned a bit throughout the podcast, have have already begun to roll out pretty much the same team each week, which has certainly helped them fire at this point of the year. So this is, uh, to me, if the Dragons are who they say they are, this is one of those games that they win... um, pretty much no no questions about it so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say the dragons but that's that's based off the evidence we've seen thus far if i was to call this game at the start of the season i'd be picking the warriors that's for sure i'm exactly the same as you um and i think the big thing is that the dragons have been winning their games in the forward pack and the warriors are heavily hurt there by not having adam for newer blake uh so i would expect the dragons as you say, if they are the real deal, they should put this one away. So, uh, Dragons for me. Kieran, what do you think? No, I've got the same. I, I, I don't know what the stat uh, or possession stats were last week, but um, the Warriors seem to have a lot of ball against the Seagulls and, and couldn't put them away. Um, so, I think that with that lack of spark a little bit, uh, I, I've got, and the Dragons just being having the, the better on form forward pack, I think the Dragons will win. Yeah, I do agree there. And uh, you got the last game, Kieran, which is between a couple of uh, heavyweights <laughs> in, the, in, in the 2000s, at least. The Bulldogs and the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, so this could... Well, it's not going to be uh, obviously this early in the, in the year, but it, it could have, if it was the last game of the season, decided the the uh, table-topping team, I guess, as you call it, um, as Bo said. But um, in all seriousness, uh, the, the Cowboys are lucky to bring back in their, their captain and Jason Tamalolo after Morgan retired. He's the, the sole captain of the club now, and uh, that's a huge inclusion um, for the team. We do lose Ham- Hamiso Tapuifido and Ruben Cotter, but uh, a big out for the Bulldogs is Josh Jackson, um, also their their leader. Um, so I think that the fact that the Cowboys get their leader and the, the Bulldogs lose one of their biggest ones is a, a, a bit of a... I, I wasn't sure which way to go with this game quite. I, I did think the Cowboys' win on, on Sunday was very good, but um, the way they let the, the Tigers come back, it, it worried me a bit. The, we've got the worst... Um, the, the most missed tackles, the most penalties conceded, and a couple of other stats that really worry me, but I think the Cowboys will win this one just... That's concerning as a Cowboys fan, isn't it? Those effort and discipline areas, uh, just mm. that's that's a struggle. Uh, look, the Cowboys have slightly better form, um, and I'm biased. And they're playing at home. There's a few factors there, so I'll go with the Cowboys as well. Miles, where do you land on this one? Well, it it, it certainly um, brings me a little bit of shaden for it to to be able to say this. Uh, the Cowboys, they, they might be bad, but they're not Bulldogs bad. <laughs> Poor old Bulldogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're not. I mean, the Bulldogs are bad, but they're not quite Western Suburbs Magpies in the late '90s bad. But that's um, that is that is low praise and barely any praise really at all, isn't it? Um, thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the vote of confidence in my Cowboys. Let's move on to Golden Points, which is our bold predictions for the coming rounds. 
Kieran, you were the closest to getting yours right last round, so I'll start with you. What is, where's, what's going to happen this weekend? I tried to go with a, a bit of an outside-the-box one, so you'll have to stick with me. Um, I've got the, the cumulative winning margin between the Storm and Roosters and Raiders and Eels games will be 30 points plus, and I've got the Storm and Raiders winning. So hypothetically, that's Storm by 29 and Raiders by 1, or any other way to make up a 30 cumulative winning margin between the two games. And both the Storm and the Raiders have to win. It can't be like the Storm by 36 and then the Eels by 4. No, yeah, it has to be Storm and Raiders. Okay, all right. So Storm and the Raiders to combine for a 30-point winning margin across both games. I like that. That's a bit different. <laughs> um, again, Kieran, I'll let you write that one up in the in the run sheet for next week. Miles, what's your bold prediction? <laughs> well, my bold prediction is that next week, uh, Kieran will again have me... Uh, Looking like Russell Crowe in uh, A Beautiful Mind, trying to work out. His <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, look, uh, I, I love I love Kieran's bowl predictions. They're so much more interesting than mine. Um, but the mine this week is that uh, uh, I want to talk a bit about the Titans, who are, as I said um, in, in my uh, tipping rundown, they're, they're starting to look like a team heading toward uh, a, a potential premiership challenge. Uh, maybe not this year, but in the next year, maybe. Um, and I think as contract situations for, for next year begin to sort themselves out, I, I'm sure Ash Taylor will be uh, playing for his future at the club, even though I, I think he might be into 23, maybe. But look, these days, players don't go into the last year of their contract. Usually, they uh, they, they usually sort something out before then. Um, mm. So I'm tipping him to, to score a try and, and set up two others in a, in a big performance, which... Uh, will begin to convince the club that maybe he might be the right choice for them in the halves ahead of uh, maybe a potential uh, Adam Reynolds or, or Matt Moylan or someone else off, off contract, uh, Sean Johnson even. Uh, one of those names. Ash Taylor goes berserk in Mudgee with a try and two try assists. Thank you for that one, Miles. I've got a very straightforward one because I just need a win. I just need something. So, <laughs> uh, and I like saying his last name now that I know how to say it. So, Charles Nickel Kluckstar, uh, he averages 171 meters per game this season, uh, coming out of the back for the Raiders. I think Caleb Aikens will top that output this week at fullback for the Raiders. I think he'll make 200-plus running cool. metres. So that's my bold prediction. Uh, it's a bit straightforward, as I said. A bit boring, but that's 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 me. Down to a T. Nice and boring. Nice and easy. And... <laughs> As always, in my boring little way, I say thank you both very much for uh, your company this evening. It's, as always, a great pleasure of mine spending uh, an hour a week with you guys talking rugby league. And go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys and Arsenal. <laughs> go the uh, the 1990s Western Suburbs Magpies. <laughs> Do it for Tommy. Do it for yeah. Tommy. Go the Newtown Jets too. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.